You're listening to Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum. Smallville week continues, folks. It's this final week. We did two weeks. Uh, last week, if you haven't listened to it, please listen to Kristen Kruk, Lana Lang. She doesn't do very many interviews, so go back and listen to that one. That's really good. And uh, the creators of Smallville, I don't think they've ever done any interviews. Well, maybe they have. But, uh, but this week, uh, the guy who played my father for seven years, I think six before I killed him and threw him out a window. Uh, what a glorious man. Such great stories. You're going to have to listen. I don't want to give anything away. But uh, anyway, John Glover is on the show. We talked about how I was so nervous because I thought he didn't like me in the pilot, but he was just, he was nervous. And that's why he was like, wait, what are you talking about? I was nervous. And I don't hear very many interviews from him either. So let's get inside the one and only. I'm very excited about this. Let's get inside of John Glover. It's my point of view. You're listening to Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum. Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum was not recorded in front of a live studio audience. How can you hear him? Can you hear him nice and clear? What? See, that's good right there. What? You haven't missed a beat, John Glover. And the beat goes on. And the beat goes on and on and on. You have always been, God, man, it's just this energy on set. Like, people always say, I have an energy on set when I come on. I think it's insecurity. I think I come on because I have to be on. I want people to like me. You're just innately just ready to go. You're on. No, but I like people to like me, too. On sets and things, rehearsals is the place where I'm the happiest. Is that true? You're most happy on set. Working, yeah, because I I, I can be somebody else. (laughs) <laughs> that's true and do you know do you remember how we met it was on the pilot i believe yes and i was really nervous because i i sincerely i told you this i sincerely thought you didn't like me i thought the guy who's playing my father and granted you're a method actor you're not supposed to really like me so to speak but that's part of your your makeup sort of you you sort of startle people and i mean i remember on the set when we were shooting scenes and things that you you'd sort of misbehave I would. What would I do? Well, you just shake it up. But you were looking for, for uh, you know, so it's fresh and everything. Because so, a lot of actors plot things out. And when my teacher used to say accidents are, are kind of the best thing that can happen to you. Accidents how? Like making in your pants accidents? Or what kind of accidents are you talking <laughs> you about? You mean crapping in your pants? Crapping no. in your pants. No, no, no. I like that. It's just stuff, if stuff goes different, it forces you to think, to be, you know. Present. Yeah, yeah. And that's what you, I, I figured out that what you were doing was, was great for me because it, it just, it would sort of make me a little tense. Really? And, well, but that's what our relationship was like in the, in the play. In so the, you, you enjoyed working with me in those first few days of the pilot. What? <laughs> <laughs> well, I didn't know if you, if you particularly liked me because I knew you, look, all I had heard is, uh, Sorry if I sound like a little bit on Norco because I had a neck surgery, so I am a little bit out of it. If I scream, it's well, you took a pain pain. pill before we had Norco. Yeah, because I had to. I'm in a little pain. I'm not. Oh no, that's what they all say. I had to. Yeah, but I had to. I was really. I was in rough shape. I almost canceled. And then Byron, your buddy here, my buddy, said, "Hey, John's not going to be available till March. If you don't get him on the show today, so so you, in in essence, you are blaming me for taking the Norco today." Because you had to, uh, you know, be able to think. Well, today. no, I was going to take the Norco anyway. Oh. I needed to feel good today. You know, because I, I don't like to play the blame. You don't game. do drugs, do you? Oh, no. Do you drink? Oh, no. Is this a lie? Yes. 
You're lying to me right I now. I drink red wine, and um, there's something about Mary Jane that just thrills the crap out of me. Thrills the crap out of you. Yeah. Marijuana does something to you. Yes. Now, does it does it free you of inhibitions? Does it uh, awaken you, the spirit of uh, John Glover? What oh, does it do for oh you? Oh, God, yes. But but when it started, when I first uh, smoked it, it wasn't until I was out of college. Right. It was a different time back then, you know. The weed was real. I guess. Uh, but now, at first, I was very paranoid when I get stoned. Do you get paranoid every time you get stoned? No, no, not away? anymore. Not, not anymore. No, no. No matter how bad the weed is or strong the weed is, you don't get paranoid. You know, I don't want to boast something like that and tempt providence. What so is I'm it about weed for you? Do you feel sexually uh, adequate, more adequate when you're having, uh, when you're stoned? Hmm. I think so. Do you feel, uh, what do you feel? What, what well, well, like? the, the, all the touch is different, you know. It just has to do with your attitude, I guess, which everything in life is dependent on, you know, or determined by your attitude and how you deal with it. You you taught me how to... What? I don't know. Other, <laughs> a lot of things. But I always give you credit for the the man, the actor, who taught me how to touch people on set. Ah. Now, what this was, was, you know, I was 26 coming into Smallville, and I had done plays and things like that. But I had never experienced another actor when it wasn't written, when it wasn't subtext, when it wasn't directed at the actor. I wasn't used to someone touching me. Oh. Now, this was a very unique thing that you would do. There'd be a moment where you'd look at me, and then you'd grab my cheek, and you'd say, son... Or you'd rub my shoulder. You know, the one I hated that they cut was that time when I when I took your your face in my hands and just stuck my tongue down your throat. Oh, and I, they yeah. cut that out. Well, I just thought, what are they doing? <laughs> just I don't uh, remember yeah. that. Maybe I was stoned. You were so stoned that day. Now, do yeah. you did you did you learn that from someone else? Because what it does is it throws the actor off in a good way for well, me. And that's what I'm saying that you did for me. So you're you're saying you like to be uh, on on the edge. You like to be on your you know just like a little bit loose, a little bit like unpredictable. Yeah, and that worked well for us because I at, you know, when we're in the middle of it, it's just like what the fuck is he doing? Yeah, because he's changing things up. That's not what it's. But then I just would use the. Um, it was good for our relationship. It was. I tried it once with a guest star, and it didn't work out too well. Who was well. the guest star? I don't remember. I think it was Sean Connery's son. <laughs> but I remember, uh, you know, I, I I touched him. I grabbed his face, and the director said, hey, Michael, on this take, don't touch him. I'm like, why? He's like, uh, you don't know him? He's a guest star. It doesn't make any sense. I have a friend who was on, who is that girl that was on the... Um... Amy Adams? No, 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 no. She was on that thing with um, that show when we were doing Smallville with all those the four kids. And uh, I don't know, but I think anyway, Charmed was it a Charmed show? No, no, no. It was it was. The, why is it so hard for you to remember that you're a you young don't person. remember it? Well, because I'm old. You're not old. How old are you? Seventy four. You're that's not old in today's market. <laughs> I said market. Today's market, John, 74 is not old. You have 16 years left before someone's going to go, hey, that guy's old. Anyway, this girl, right. who was, and my friend was on the show, she was playing her mother. Right. So at one point, she took the, you know, took the hair and brushed it behind her ears and her, everything. They finished the take, and the young actress who was the star from Brokeback. 
Brokeback Mountain, Hunchback Michelle, Mountain. Wasn't there Michelle? Uh, there was a blonde what girl. Was it? Michelle Williams. Michelle Williams and the oh, other Dawson's girl. Dawson's Creek. Dawson's Creek and the other girl. Fox who was State. the other? Who was the dark girl? And that was uh, who? No, it wasn't Anne Hathaway. It was a guy. Oh, girl Katie Holmes. Was, Katie Holmes. Yeah. No, but anyway, she was the one that said, "Don't touch me." Well, this was a woman really? who was playing her mother. She didn't like it. So, have you ever had an actress say, "Don't touch me. I don't want to be touched." On a set. Not that I can remember, but that doesn't mean a thing. Well, I remember you were in a movie called, uh, some of you might know it, Annie Hall. Oh, yeah. You had a nice moment, and you guys were touching and making out against a wall, if I recall. I was sort of rubbing up my finger up and down her, her bare arm. And who was that actress? Uh, Diane Keaton. That was Diane Keaton. Touch my heart with your foot. Did you just make that up? No. It was in the script, and Woody Allen was going to cut that line because... He had us in a beanbag and stuff like that. So he said, well, you're standing up, so I got to cut that line. And I knew that was the money line. So I sort of said, whoa, 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 wait, look, what's that? So I started sliding down the, the wall as I said it. How was it working with Woody Allen? Were you nervous working with Woody Allen? It's just strange. Why is it strange? Well, because he's, they say, or they, what the word they use is shy. See, I, I, was, I was working on a play up in uh, Harvard, uh, the devil's disciple, and I had met him once. Uh, so they just called me and said, you've got this job. So I had to come in from Boston to do this one scene. And when I got home, they had put the my sides in, a, in the mail slot in this loft where I lived. So I got home. I learned the scene. When were you shooting? The next day? The next day, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, were you, so yeah. I had no idea what it was about or anything. So I went in sort of like a... A freak or trying to, because Bananas was, I think, right before that. Right. Which the, Annie Hall was the first in that new kind of style that he right. was And was doing. Woody sort of uh, kind of new? He wasn't he, tremendously famous yet? Or at this time he was? I think he, yeah, he was. Cause he was he, already famous? Yeah, 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 yeah. So that was there. But the fact that I had no idea, except for these strange lines, you know, like, you know, how I want to be as an actor torn apart by wild animals and stuff like that. So I was trying to make it bizarre. So he just came up and, and sort of showed me. But, but what happened was because it was the, uh, the split screen, I did mine first, and then they worked for a long time on the scene of them watching us. So I thought I was done. I was just waiting around. And then they said, okay, John, you're back on. And I thought, we did it already. They said, no, 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 we've done the first time, but now we're going back to do yours again. And each take that we did because I wasn't ready and I just learned them the night before I went up on. I, I, so you messed the line up. I ruined the take because it was a very specific thing. Do you get in your head when you mess up a line? Do you remember? Well, that's when I got, got in my head. What I should have said was after the first one that I uh, messed up on, I should have said, give me a minute now because I didn't know I was, but I wasn't confident enough. I mean, it was like the first. You were in your 20s. Yeah, yeah. It was, and it was the second movie I'd ever made the first was Seamus. Did you ever see that movie no. with Burt Reynolds and Diane Cannon? No. I was a junkie. So, you know, there I was on a Woody Allen set and I, 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 I just tried to do it again and again and I could see the script supervisor who was sitting next to Woody Allen just starting to flinch. And, and, and like so, getting upset a little bit. Like, well, well, yeah, will this guy get his fucking lines? Well, they only had four takes for me to do it. See, because then they had to wait for dailies and, and so I had to come into the set where we were I remember when he drove up and gave gave him the okay to let me go. That that the first four I did were were good enough. So 
<clears throat> until the movie came out, I had no idea if I was still going to be in it. So. Now, when you, you get these sides that are slit through your door the night before right. you're in New York, you're probably not making a lot of money as an actor at this point. Exactly. You're broke. Yes. And they say you're going to do a scene with Michael Keaton, uh-huh. with uh, Diane Keaton. Diane Keaton. I keep wanting to call her Michael, though, when I see her on the street. <laughs> of course. Why wouldn't and, you? And, and Michael, when I see him, I'm like, Diane, Diane, how are you? But don't you... Uh, how do you control your nerves? Are you, a, are you a guy that still to this day gets nervous? Yes. Or do you, do you, nothing's changed? No, it's changed. It's like re-channeling uh, your iPhone or something. So I've got to learn to myself to say, okay, you're getting nervous or you're f- flinching because of da-da-da that just happened. Okay, this is all in your attitude, John. You can take care of this yourself. You just need to change your attitude and, and relax a little. Do you talk to yourself. It. You look in the mirror and say, you're good enough, you're smart enough, and doggone it, people like me. Do you, is there a sense of that? Do you think that you kind of talk yourself into things like, I'm here for a reason, I'm fucking good? Yeah, but I can't look in the mirror when I'm doing it. No, it's only just in your head. I'm so vain. Oh, I bet you think <laughs> this song is about, about you. you. Don't you, don't you. Did, did Woody ever say, great job. It did great. It was great. I liked it. You were great. Or did you never hear that? I never heard that. You never heard that. Well, when he released me, I figure. <laughs> that could be it. I don't, I don't know. Do you need that as an actor? Well, I'd, I'd like it. I remember, I recall season one. Now, I hadn't done a ton of work, but I've done plays and things at this time. And uh, there's a scene in the Luther Mansion, and I'm supposed to knock all this shit off the wall and these books, and there's a tornado going on outside. It's like the Wizard of Oz. Yes, it's oh the Wizard God. of Oz. And I'm bloody. And you and I have this huge scene together. And I can't get it. Can't get and it what? I just can't get the scene. I can't get the lines out. I'm fucking them up. It's not organic, for lack of a better word. I just feel like I suck as an actor, and I can't get this, and I don't know what to do. Well, how'd you solve it? Well, I solved it because you solved it. How did I solve it? You took me aside and said, uh, uh, Michael, can I talk to you for just a second? And you were very soft-spoken like you always are. And you just said... Just listen to what I'm saying as your father. Just listen to what I'm saying. Forget about all the action and all the things you're doing. Just listen to what I'm telling you and respond. And, and, you're, and you were very, I'm very sorry if I'm stepping on any boundaries or whatever. And I go, what, John? That's it. I knew what I had forgotten was the thing that every actor forgets, huh. listening. Yeah. And I, I swear the next take was golden. I didn't care about anything other than listening to what you said the simplest thing, listening. Mm. Do you still forget to listen? Sometimes. When I'm nervous, you know? When you're nervous. Uh, when I was a, a kid in my 20s and 30s, I don't remember having to really learn lines. And now the uh, it's, it's getting... What do you mean you just you could learn them so easily you don't even remember learning them? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I felt like that too. I, I didn't I w- care about it. I was going to replace... This was in the 60s, I think... It must have been the 60s. Uh, Andy Robinson, you remember? He was in a, uh, a showdown with the public. Right. Uh, subject of Fitz, which is was based on The uh, the Idiot by Dostoevsky. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and he was playing Prince Mishkin, the the main character. And you were going to take over his role? And take over his role. So I went in, I guess on a Thursday maybe or whatever, uh, to read for it. And they gave me the part. And you had till Monday to learn it all. No, no. They said you... Uh, you 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 go you will have a week's rehearsal while you're learning the line the script and everything. Right. Oh, I said I could I could I can learn it over the weekend. 
It was this bold thing that I said. I mean, it was a huge uh, a part. But I, I went home. I just sort of learned it page by page. I never went back over the whole thing again before I came in. So it stuck in there somehow. And I started playing on Tuesday night. I couldn't do that anymore. You couldn't do that. You'd no. freak out. Immediately the fear would take over and you'd say, I can't do this. But I, I couldn't. The memorization now. I, yeah. I don't know how I... My, I had a younger brain then. Were your parents supportive as an actor? Back then you had to think, acting. Uh-huh. Please don't do that. Yeah. Well, they became more supportive the first time... They saw you. On the TV. When they saw you on TV? On the TV, yeah. What yeah. TV show was that? It was, they did a... The name has gone The out. TV show that you were on back in probably 1950s? Yeah. It, was the, it was a history lesson, and Walter Cronkite was the MC. You were there, and it was on on Saturday. And it, back when I was a little boy, it was a big, big show. But they put it back on the air with Walter Cronkite. And you watched it with your parents? No, no. They were, they were at the country club. They played golf on Saturdays. So okay. my dad was in, in the bar at uh, Green Hill, and I came on the TV. And that uh, made him really proud, and and then on it was it was really nice. Were you close as a as 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 a child? Were you and your father, your your parents? Did you get along? Were you were you in a different mindset? Were they conservative? Yeah, but my they, both of them were were very athletic. So I once went, uh, had a therapist who said, "What's the first image you uh, remember of your father?" And I thought, "Oh, okay, we're out in the." in the side yard in Wilmington, Delaware, where we lived at Edgemore Gardens. And that first image was me with a, a bat and my dad throwing balls at me. But I wasn't that interested. So, so when I was in junior high school, when we really had phys ed, as, when I was in the seventh grade, I think, uh, the, the guy was sending us out you know, to catch the ball. Yeah. So when I did mine, it, it was great because somehow my dad, all that, all that came in me. You always gave it the old college try, whatever you were doing. Well, it's because you knew me grown up. Right. <laughs> but kid-like. Huh? Well, you always, like, you know, and I read about this, but you've always been, I wouldn't say always, but you've been openly gay, right? Oh, no. You haven't been, how long did it take for you to be openly gay? Well, wait, I, I didn't come out or realize or take charge till, uh, till I was, uh, it was the summer I turned 21. Summer, 21. Summer stock, you know. Summer stock <laughs> so theater. You, you learn a lot in summer stock. Is that where you kind of were educated? Yeah. In many ways? Yeah. 21 years old. Now, no, well, I started when I was, I but, turned 19. And I went three summers. But you're born with it. So you knew at a young age, I'm having feelings or seeing, you know, I'm, I'm attracted to men, right? Okay, so the first time I realized this, you you know the movie A Star is Born with Judy Garland and James Mason? You mean the one that they just remade no, that I haven't wait, seen? Listen, you have to listen to me now. <laughs> with Judy Garland Sorry, and James Father, Mason. Yes. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. All right. Both of their performances in, in A Star is Born, and this was in the 50s we're talking, so right. you, know, you weren't even a twinkle at that point. No, I was, no, yeah. I was nothing. Uh, but there's a scene very early in the, in the movie where James Mason's really drunk. He's a drunkard, alcoholic. And he's in the bed when the, he gets home after he's met Judy Garland and talked to her and everything. And he's in this white T-shirt, shirt, a white little short sleeve T-shirt. And I, and I started feeling really, really strange. Well, right now, I would have called it sexual or something. Right, but I, then you, I was, you were confused. I was, I was 10 or 11. It was just these strange feelings. 
about, but I I didn't. Uh, you didn't act on anything. You didn't have any. No. Th- were you nervous about these feelings? Well, they weren't right. They were wrong. What do you mean they were wrong? I grew up in Salisbury, Maryland. It's a very flat and bigoted part of the town. And, and what about and what about your father and mother? Were they were they uh, were they would you say liberal? No. So okay, this it is... was a secret. It was something I had to. Hold on to for years. Yeah. I mean, even when I started working with professional actors in the regional theaters and stuff, I would I was uptight about because it. you play masculine characters. Did you kind of hide that? Yeah, most everybody did, gay men. Because you you feel that you lost your you lose your job right. or McCarthyism or whatever. Sure, it is. all they, those they things take away your. Uh... Yeah. See, that had to be really hard. It's hard enough being an actor, and then when you have to cover up who you really are. I know. Yeah, it's tricky. I mean, when did you tell your parents? It probably didn't happen until years, years later. Um, oh, I thought this was going to be like a lot of jokes and stuff. Well, it is, but you know what? <laughs> Here's know. what I like about this. Yeah. This is what I do. Yeah. You're a funny guy. You're an enormously talented guy. But I also like how it started. I like how your career started. I like to see adversity you faced, things that people don't know about, people that you know, or in the industry that go, oh, God, look what he had to go through to become what he had to go become. So to me, that's what I find interesting. I had a lot of dysfunction growing up as a child. I had daddy issues and mommy issues and all these different issues and, you know, a little suicidal maybe during high school. And I kind of am free and open with, with all these things, which I think people who are listening sort of kind of can relate to. Mm-hmm. So... I mean, we don't have to talk about things, but... Well, as I started going around to schools and things, my dad had a, a kind of dementia. I don't know if it was Alzheimer's per se, but I would try to help them raise money for this and that. Like we did in small sure. little, big auction and, and, stuff. Uh, yeah, my grandfather, who is dying from Alzheimer's now, and my grandmother passed away from it. So, so as I went to these schools and things, I would see that they have uh, they had gay uh, clubs, and I thought, my God, it's a whole different time now that people are growing up accepting things like that. But I, even from my parents, I, I, I mean, they knew I lived with men as opposed to women. But, but they uh, didn't think you were gay. Well, I don't think they thought. They stopped. They blocked. They it. never questioned you. No. They never said a word. They never said, your father never, no, once oh, he really oh. developed Alzheimer's, he never said anything to you or I said, I, you know, I love you, I accept oh, you. Oh, yeah, yeah. And when they both died, they knew who you who, are. Who I am. Yeah. And they accepted it. And what did that mean to you? Probably meant the world. Yes. But I think that's beautiful. I love you, Michael. I love you too. I love you for being so open with me yeah. about this. Yeah. Inside of You is brought to you by Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. This is an amazing platform. I use it on both podcasts. It has worked wonders for me. It's so amazing how easy it is to navigate. If you want to sell products, T-shirts, soap scents, whatever whatever it is, Ryan, you want to sell, this is the way to do it. Uh, you can see what your best seller is right there, analytics, uh, how much you're making this month, uh, what products are selling the best. It's really fantastic. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to, to the did we just hit a million order stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. 
From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash inside, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash inside now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash inside. Inside of you is brought to you by Netflix. Battle Creek, Michigan, 1963. Kellogg's and Post, sworn serial rivals, race to create a pastry that will change the face of breakfast forever. A wildly imaginative tale of ambition, betrayal, and menacing milkmen, sweetened with artificial ingredients. Unfrosted stars Jerry Seinfeld in his directorial debut. It features a supporting cast of comedy, greats, including Melissa McCarthy, Jim Gaffigan, Hugh Grant, Amy Schumer, Max Greenfield, Christian Slater, Sarah Cooper, Bill Burr, and many more. Friday, May 3rd, only on Netflix. When you first got small, because you've done so much Broadway, man, you did, I mean, you've done, you still, I, I've seen you in many plays, and I know that Broadway is really your thing. You love acting. Yeah. You love to work. Yeah. Are you one of those people that if you don't work, you'll probably go crazy? Oh, I'm miserable when I don't have a job ahead of me. Explain the misery. Are you hard to be around? <laughs> You'd have to ask Adam that. Yeah. I will ask yes, Adam. Yes, I am. Yeah, I am. I just It's like all my self-worth. I feel like, oh, my God, they found me out. They found that, oh, John's miserable. He's not a happy person. No, then I'm... You don't... Then I'm faking it. I don't know what it just, and then I try to fix it. Do you go to therapy? Not anymore. I mean, you went for years though. I graduated. (laughs) See, I still go to therapy. You go to therapy, Rob? I do not. Have you ever gone to therapy? Uh, Yeah, when I was a kid. Yeah, that's right, because your mom put you on some antidepressants. Because of the therapist, or she decided to do it herself? Uh, I was kind of an introvert, so she thought I was depressed, and then. My brother was already going to therapy because he was he had ADHD. How did you feel on it? Um, I didn't feel that different on it. It didn't really help you or hurt you? No, not really. So they didn't see a change, so they just said, get him off. So it you didn't day. become more gregarious? No. No? No, no. I think I was only on it for like six months. Or so how old were you? What are we talking like? Probably 15, oh, 14, 15. Oh, the puberty had started. So. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you're trying to figure yourself out. Yeah. 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 It's tricky. Yeah. But you always liked women, right? Yep. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to try and get deep with Rob for a second. Uh No, no. I like this. And we'll get back to the misery point. Because I feel like I've learned to live with myself in a way that when I'm working, I have what's called structure. When you work and you have to wake up every day Mm -hmm. at 8 a.m. and Mm -hmm. you work till... The late hours, you come home, you're tired, and you do the same cyclical thing every day. You sort of forget about life for a while. It's like, you know, like Billy Joel. It's you, true. You sort of forget yeah. the important things. You're like, I'm working, I'm making money, I have purpose, here I am, 
And the second you stop, you're, you you deal with you and what you don't like and what you do like. And I've gone through this. I've gone through like, God, I'm depressed. I don't want to get out of bed. Or how do I get out of this? How do I face myself? How do I look in the mirror every day and say, hey, what is this? Maybe this is a good time to just reflect and not keep busy and not do all these things. And what is it like to just be you and hang with you? Have you done that before? I hang with me every day. I mean, how long has that lasted, though? How, how long? Well, every day is different. I mean, can you last two, three months without having a job and, and be all right with yourself? I, I would say it's hard. It just, yeah. But what is it? It's my insecurity. I did this uh, a production of Juno and the Peacock at the Mark Taper here in L.A. with George Seaton, a really nice movie director, directed it. Walter Matthau, Jack Lemmon, Maureen Stapleton. Jesus. They filmed it. They moved the set down to a, a, on a, one of those streets in Hollywood that used to be Charlie Chaplin's uh, studio. Yeah. They moved the whole set down there the day after we closed or two days, and they're going to film it for, or, you know, videotape it to have it on record. And so when we'd almost finished, Jack walked up to this market where they sold beer and cheap stuff to get a bunch of beers for the crew and everything. So when they wrapped, but he went up in his, they were poor Irish people. So he went up in his costume and he came back like white. As a, I mean, he just was horrified. I said, Jack, what happened? He said, well, there I was buying the beer and this guy comes up to me that's like, a little better dressed than I am, but you know that he's all, you know, he's there looking for money to get some beers. And he just came up to me and sort of pulled my coat and he said, Jack Lemon? God, oh, you'll never work again. What? Well, the guy was drunk and he saw him dressed like, like he was, right. who hadn't worked for a long, long time. So he figured he was, but, but in Jack's head, I, I could see that, I mean, even with somebody like Jack Lemon, he came back, Thinking, he's right. Oh my God, I'm not. I'm not going to work again because that production didn't get good reviews at all. So he just, you know, they just kind of buy into this. Yeah. Well, we're insecure actors. Are insecure. But you got to get over it. We've got to get over this. Like we've got to. There's got to be something along the way that you say, "Hey, it's good enough." And people say, "What have you done?" And I say, "Oh, I did seven years of Smallville. I did two years of another show. I did two years of another show. I did some good movies. I did some bad movies." I mean, we're all insatiable. We all want to be better and better. But at the end of the day, when is it enough? When is it? When does John Glover look in the mirror and go, God, I've done tons of Broadway. I've done tons of movies. I've done tons of shows. I've won Tony Awards, for God's sakes. I'm good. Just one Tony. One the other Tony. was a nominee. You, and I you were nominated for an Emmy, too. Oh, five times I've been nominated for an Emmy. Well, okay. Well, I haven't been nominated for an Emmy at all. I was nominated for a Uranus Award, I believe. Saturn. How many Uranuses do you have? <laughs> do you do, do accolades help you with your confidence? Do you like uh, do, receiving awards? I was an acolyte at church, <laughs> and I wore this kind of black long thing with this white thing. I would carry the cross down the aisle, but um, <laughs> the center aisle, and then put the can. I'd light the candles and put the candles out. I'd collect the money right at the end, put them all. In, and sit Were you ever embarrassed by a roll? Well, just if I thought I wasn't good in it, yeah. What role did you think you weren't good in? I can't, I can't remember them. Really? You can't remember the bad ones? What, what roles were you good in? Were you like, I was fucking good? Because I could tell you you were great as Lionel Luther. You knew that. I had a good time, and we had a good time. We'd had a good time. Yeah. You taught me a lot. I think you taught everybody a lot. Even when Tom and I go on tour for these little signings, 
we have the Q&As, and Tom will always say, John Glover, what a, one of the best actors that ever lived. <laughs> and I agree um, with him. And it is, it's true. You, you have a certain confidence, a certain stature, a certain uh, – and it's a, a lot of experience that it shows. It shows. But there's also a kindness and a versatility that I think that, you know, if people don't know you, they could see if they watch you, watch your performances. Even in that fucking show Brimstone. You liked doing Brimstone, didn't you? Oh, well, I was the devil. You were the devil. I you... came, you know, I mean, it was all surprises and stuff. Do you ever want to play a good role? Do you ever want to play like somebody who's really charming and lovable and likable and people are like... You know, when I had trouble, I have, I have trouble with roles like that because they're they're not... Uh, challenging? They are challenging to me. When, when, when Tom and I were in that Smallville years... You had to switch roles, I right? Switch roles. And uh, and so I'm used to. It was very hard to to not to sort of just be. There's a simplicity to Tom's performance. Yeah, and that's I, actually really difficult to sort of yeah. convey if you're not. And he was doing me brilliantly. There was a, a thing I would do back then, I guess, from dry mouth, where I take my tongue and kind of swipe it between my bottom teeth and really my lip. i don't uh, remember that or try uh, really sexy yeah, uh, yeah, that's yeah. Really good. yeah okay but so he put a lot of that stuff in there so it was it was just genius the way he was uh who was your uh favorite it's hard to say that but who are you who did you love seeing every day in smallville who did you like wake up and go god i love seeing this person i'm gonna guess steve oban yeah, Steve and I had a great time. Great, yeah, great sure. guy. But was it more the crew you love seeing every day? Were there any cast members that you're just like, oh, fuck, I got to work with them. Another scene with them. This is going to be difficult. No, no, that's not true. Was I difficult? No, we've already talked about you. You just, you you would, no, you we were good. You have a good body. You work out a lot. You worked out religiously on the show. I did. Yeah. I don't. Have you ever showed your... um? Penis, penis on a, yes, yes. Uh, in a movie, in a movie or, or or a play, a play. Yeah, it was at Arena Stage, which is a a, a theater in the round. It's, it's, it's so raked, sort of. It's not raked. It's a flat thing, and all the audience members on all four sides go up. Mm -hmm. So I was in, on a mattress, right? Plenty. It's called Plenty. It's a David Hare play. I did it with Blair Brown. But I'm there. The scene starts. I go out in the blackness, completely naked. I go. Under a sheet, two women are on stage talking. Joan McIntosh played the second woman. She would come over. She would take the sheet and lift it off me. So the whole audience... What year is this? Was it the 70s, the 80s? Late 70s. And then she would... <laughs> yeah. So she'd pull the sheet off me, and there it was. And then she'd take my penis in her hand and say, turkey neck and turkey gristle, isn't it? Turkey neck and turkey gristle. She's holding my penis. penis. Let me ask you something. Would yeah. you do any exercises like, you know. For my penis to make it bigger? Stretch it before. Uh, I don't think they had. Uh, I didn't well, know about you know, those things. If, for instance, you know. Well, you know, you stretch it, you pull it. Oh, well, I spent a lot of pulling time. Tugging. Before. Just because you don't want it to be. If you go into a cold pool, it wouldn't be a good idea. Shrinkage. No. Shrinkage. You don't want shrinkage. But no matter how you. Oh, you would probably have a nice penis. I'm guessing. No matter how long or hard I pulled, no. It, I mean, it just... You're a grower, not a shower. I wouldn't even say that. Are you average? I don't want to pass judgment on myself. I bet you have a nice penis, the John. Fir the first woman I 
I slept with. How many women have you slept with? Five, say five. Did you enjoy the sex? Yes, I did. But the first woman, I mean, I was kind of uptight about the uh, the size thing. I'd be more uptight about keeping an erection. If, so, so it could, you know, if you're having sex with a woman and you're gay, because you're not really bisexual, are you? Well, but at that point, I wasn't bisexual. I was just with women. But I, the, I was young. It was, it was sex. I was hard most of the time. I you could, were. Yeah, yeah. You could do it. You could perform. Or it's not do it, but to do it. Did you Check think of it? Hard. Anyway. Anyway. But, back to but, the growing. But afterwards, she at one point said to me, I was saying, you know, like, is my penis enough? She said, long enough, fine. It could be a little uh, girthier. Girthier, yeah. Well, and I think any penis could be girthy. Rob, do you have a girthy penis? I don't. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, you're you proud of your penis? Yeah, it's fine. It's stand fine. up, stand up, Rob. <laughs> you said something to me. I hope you won't make me edit this. I don't think you will because I don't think this person's going to listen, John. But you said something to me. We were in the makeup trailer, circa 2003. Yeah, and the music was playing. What music? I had music playing in the trailer. Oh, you, you always did. I always played 80s music, and I and you said, Michael. What is this? You're as cold as ice. You're willing to sacrifice your love. I said, this is Hall of Notes, John. Oh. And you looked at me and you I said. Know, I know, I had one of them. You or said, I think I me. fucked the small one <laughs> in the 70s. <laughs> Was that true? I think I did. I think you did. I, yeah. And the, the other guy. Uh, Daryl Hall wasn't wasn't. No, gay. no, not that. I'm talking John about. John Oates. No, 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 no. He's an English guy. Freddie. Freddie Mercury? Yeah, yeah. You had sex with Freddie Mercury? Yeah, yeah. No. In London. You had sex with Frederick Mercury. Don't yell. People are going to hear you. This is phenomenal. I think I would have had sex with Freddie Mercury back in the day. How old was he when you had sex with him? I didn't ask. How old were you? It was in the 70s. 70s. Yeah. Was it good sex? You know, I'd, I'd had a lot of wine that night, and I think he had too. So I, I remember it. You remember it. <laughs> you remember what you did. You remember his body. You remember his no, teeth, no. of course. Oh, I remember that. You remember the teeth. He was fun. He was a fun guy. Did he sing to you at all? I don't remember. You don't remember? It was a long, long time ago. He didn't sing, can anybody? He didn't sing anybody like that. But you had sex with him. That's Any other famous people you had sex with? <laughs> nope. Two's your limit, buddy. Two's your limit. You have uh, had uh, an illustrious career. You've had. A, it sounds to me like you've had. Look, you've been the partner with with Adam for. I'm going to guess. Don't tell me. I'm going to guess. Twenty eight years. No, it's only twenty six or twenty seven. So I was really close. Well, we've only been, we just had our third wedding anniversary. Third wedding anniversary. Yeah, we got married. Because you two are a fascinating couple. I mean, oh. he's an artist. He makes. The most amazing things that are unique. Amazing, unique. Yeah. What, what would you say? Like, what are the, some of the things he makes? He's sculptors. Uh, he makes these little light fixtures, I recall. He's doing leaded glass now. So the, the I mean, it's, he can work. He's done incredible paper mache. Yeah. You wouldn't believe it's paper mache. And he um, sells these things. Bronzes, yeah. Does it turn you on, his work, his, uh, oh, his God, artistic yeah. ability? It was interesting because I, I knew him for maybe at least a month before I'd seen his work. So to both of us, our, our work, he actually thought I was Bill Atherton when we, uh, when we started. Bill Atherton? Do you not know who that I don't is? know. Do you know who Bill Atherton is? Look him up. Who yeah. is he? Well, 
down in the public theater days uh, during uh, I I was in um, uh, House of Blue Leaves and he was in Pablo Hummel. So we look similar. We're both tall, thin men. He was in Ghostbusters. Yeah, and he was in those uh, Bruce uh, Willis uh, uh, Die Hard Die Hard movies. Yeah. Now you're ten years his thirteen. Thirteen years his. How would you say thirteen years his junior, his senior? How do you do that? How do you say that? I'm 13 years older, or he's 13 years younger than me. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, that was so, pretty simple. Were you ever worried that he's going to leave you because you're older? Because I think that's always an issue, whether you're gay or whether you're straight. People are always like, you know. Yeah, we went to therapy together at least seven or eight years. Did you think you might break up at one point? Well, we just weren't happy with each other. What we, was that? What caused that? Uh, bad communication. Yeah. And sometimes it still happens. Yeah. Yeah. So. Does he tell you as it is? Does he say... I don't particularly think you were great in that role. Yes. I'm very insecure about my singing. And I, because when I've done musicals, I mean, I sing, I sing all the time. It makes me happy. But then when I shared a dressing room with Tony Roberts, um, I would sing and he'd go, John, that is not the tune. And, and then he'd sing it but for me. But you didn't care because you love singing. Well, I cared that, that it, he got pissed off about it because he, he, he can, <laughs> but he heard, I mean, he can see where the notes sort of change and I sort of flatline when I sing. Yeah. I can't tell what, what, whether I'm, I'm, I've jumped a key or I know sometimes. But I so can't. they do this thing for a, a Broadway Cares Equity Fights AIDS where it's called Broadway Backwards. And, uh, and the guys do girl songs and the girls do guy songs. And that's how they raise a lot of money. Um, so I did, there's a song that, uh, she didn't write it, but Bette Midler does Hello in there about the couple. Right. So this this was about two men. But I was very, I mean, it's almost a talk song and everything, but, but I worked on it and worked on it and worked on it. I didn't even get Adam a ticket. I was so... You didn't want him to say it. Well, he's so musical. He, I mean, he can, he just, he never sings Were you off good? key. Were you good? Well, I found a way to do it, that it was like a little play. So it was very successful, but... I knew when I did it that I sort of went off key. So he went upstairs where we live because I didn't want to watch him watch it. So he watched it. And the first thing he said was, yeah, he went off key a couple of times. It was all right. <laughs> did it bother the shit out of you? Well, I just wanted to say, you know, it was beautiful. Or it was so moving or whatever. Yeah. But it was, you know. It, yeah, I've always wanted that for my father. Like, wow, you, you, you really, you're really so good, Michael. Yeah. You're, so, you're so talented. You really nailed it. I love you, son. Did you get that from your dad? I could feel it. Yeah. I got that from you. <laughs> I did. I felt like on the show, you were like, Michael, you were so good in that scene. Mm. And it meant a lot to me coming yeah. from you. You know? Well, there you go. And I know that you're still giving and doing your walks for Alzheimer's, correct? I haven't done one for a while. Maybe all. we should do one together. All right. Why don't we? Why don't I email you? Because I know there's one coming up. Uh, I did one in LA last year. Yeah. But we should find one and do it. All right. That you know, there's vaccines that they're coming out with. They're going to do human testing soon. There's a lot of things going on with it. Too bad they couldn't have come out with these during, you know, your father's living years. Mm -hmm. You know, but um, did you have fun today? Oh, you mean here with yeah. you? Always. Wasn't this fun? Yes. You didn't think it was going to be so serious. I didn't know what it was. going to But it be. wasn't that serious. We jumped all over the place. All, all over the place. Right. Yeah. You're a good talker. You're a great listener oh, and a you. talker. By the way, what was it like working with Bill Murray? People ask you that all the time. But was he awesome? Yeah. I mean, there was this one uh, a shot where we had to walk across two sound stages that were sort of... Uh, Scrooged. Yeah, Scrooged. You still get residuals for Scrooged? I don't know. You should. 
Well, gremlins too, probably as well. Oh, tell me about Scrooge. You were you're walking on parallel sets. Yeah. Oh, but but the line there were no lines, so he it would sort of help me. He gave me a great line, and don't ask me what it is because I cannot remember. He it right gave now. you a line. Yeah, he was very generous. Very very. Generous. Really, was he, did the crew love him? I think so. He was pleasant to be around. I think so. Who's your favorite actor you've ever worked with? Because you've worked with a lot of people. Oh. Most of them, I don't even know their names half the time. <laughs> but the favorite, the one that goes... There's oh. not one. There's not one. There's probably someone that you go, it just makes you smile when you think about it. Yeah. Jack Lemon. Oh, he used to play the piano while I sang it to shine on your shoes. And I know his granddaughter now, Sydney. Really? Yeah, yeah. Walter Matthau. Walter. Oh, he was a lot of fun. Yeah. You're doing it all wrong, asshole. <laughs> Walter Matthau. Walter Matthau, yeah. Who's the biggest actor you've ever worked with? The one that you were like, this is, I'll never work with a bigger actor than this. Oh, these are hard, these are hard questions. Yeah, but well, probably, you know, if you ask me, I probably, you know, I, I worked with Stallone. I worked with Clint Eastwood. These were, these were big actors that were uh, idols of mine. I did a scene with uh, Charlton Heston when oh, he, he was bare ass, completely naked. And were you, was it the scene with, when you were holding your turkey dick? <laughs> that didn't happen? It's called The Mountain Man. The Mountain Man. Yeah. Did and you Ch have a nice ass? Well, I only saw the front. Right. He was standing in, um, yeah. But I didn't know he was going to take all his clothes off for the, <laughs> for the shot. <laughs> well, he had not rehearsed it like did that. Did you watch it? No, no, no. I'd drive up and he's a uh, ride up in a horse. But he was standing in front of the campfire, and, and, I, and I, as I rode up, I could see that he'd taken all his clothes off. So as I, I walked up to him, I, I kept thinking, oh, no, where do I look? <laughs> <laughs> what do you, would you ever do another series? Oh, God, I don't know. Another hour-long series that films in Vancouver? At this point in my life, I, that would be really hard. Because some show came up after we finished Smallville that was going to to be um, a series. shot, yeah, a series. And you don't want to do it. But I was on the phone with the, the writer of it before I went in for the, where they give you the, the, the where you have to go do for the studio. or yeah, testing. The test or whatever. Uh, so I was there and I sort of told her on the way to the, the, the I was really wasn't interested so much in doing another in and out event. And I probably show. said, and, all right, well. Well, I did the thing, and my phone went off in the middle of it, <laughs> so I picked up and answered. I tried to use it, um, but I think because I told her that I wasn't so interested, uh, I didn't uh, have to choose. It. You knew you in your gut you didn't want to do it. No, I did. Yeah. Yeah. So you'd be happy and content just doing plays for the rest of your life, occasional yeah. movie here yeah, and yeah. there. Yeah, I mean, you're fine. You're financially fine. You don't have to worry. What, what I found and what I lost when I first came to L.A., I stopped enjoying or doing the work. So I, it became more about success and money. And that's when I found my teacher, Milton Katsalas, who I knew I needed something because I wasn't enjoying the work anymore. But, and that's what I would tell the students at Towson University when I go back, which is where I went to school. And it's, it, it's, it's what's going to get you through it is loving the work part of it. And How that, do you learn to love the work again? Because I sometimes find myself like, you know, I'm happy doing a podcast. I'm happy occasionally doing this. I like to write. But what's going to help me get that that edge back, that lust for... I think it must be picking the work. I remember when uh, I was in Batman and Robin. Yeah. And George Clooney played the Batman. Yeah. But he wasn't... Uh, 
wasn't happy. He didn't want to put on the apparently put on the uh, the the whatever that the outfit suit, is, yeah. which is really hard to get into. But after the movie, I read something about him that he said I I made a decision then not to take a job that didn't mean anything to me. So I mean, I think that's where you got to go is be selective and not because I was doing everything. So no matter what, what choose something you actually will enjoy doing. Yeah, yeah. And know what you're getting yourself into. Yeah. I think that's good advice. It's got to be about the work, not not about how much money you're going to make from it or, or how much more famous this is going to make. I'll give you $10 million to do another one-hour series in, in, in <laughs> well, Vancouver. I don't see. It's a, it's a hard decision to make to turn down work. It is. But, I mean, to go to work and not enjoy it or find a way Ooh, to nothing enjoy worse. Because how many years do you have left? Not you, per the proverbial you. Like how many years do we have left? We could die tomorrow. So if you're getting stuck on something you don't love, but but there's also you don't have to. There's that line in Network where William Holden mm-hmm. says, "I'm I'm I'm closer now to the end of my life than I ever have been before," and it's scaring the shit out. of My me. brother reminds me that he goes, "When I turn 46, he goes, you know, you're closer to 92 than you are <laughs> zero. You fuck. It's sobering. John Glover, thank you for allowing me to be inside of you. Well, thanks for letting me in. But this has been a real treat. I've been wanting you on the show for a long time. Many, many people have asked, and I wanted to have you on here. It feels like old times. Mm -hmm. And uh, I appreciate you not staring at my scar on my neck. That will heal. I don't think so. I think you look. <laughs> I think you look great. I really do. I think you look great. You're, you're, you're. I, for se- I mean, you're 74, and you, you don't look 74. Thank you, Michael. Yeah. How could you say anything else? Well, I, I wouldn't say anything. Oh God, John, you look so old today. You could have that cup if you want inside of your cup. You could also. Get oh my them God! Online inside of you with Michael Rosenbaum. I do love this man. Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Guest star Sarah Carter as Alicia Baker. Although I didn't really work with her a lot. But Tom did, and they had some real big smoochy scenes. Yeah. Can we talk about that? Could there be any more sex? What was a three-page makeout scene that just kept going? Good Lord. We get it. They have chemistry. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen.